Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 182 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And let's start immediately with a nice happy birthday to Andrew today as oh. we record. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Andrew. Isn't that uh, nice? I, I didn't get him anything, so I hope he's not offended. He took off work, so he's like... Sitting around, having oh, coffee, nice. enjoying the good life. So that's nice. You don't got to worry about that. Surrounded by cats at this moment. Yeah. Now I'm just mad at them watching, because that sounds great. Watching The Last Kingdom on Netflix. It sounds like a good time, let me tell you. I don't know if he's watching that. He just discovered um, Rick and Morty. Oh, boy. <laughs> you're, setting, you're setting him down that rabbit hole? <laughs> I guess so. I watched one episode and I was like, okay, this isn't terrible, but I don't need to watch like a lot of them. I'll give Rick and Morty this at least. It has an ongoing storyline. Like there's at least that. Not everything is just completely random because it does come up later on. And I did like that Morty. Stuff. He made me laugh. Yeah, it's a good show, man. I started watching it. I'm pretty much caught up. Well, I like, came home and he was like so many episodes in, and I'm like, didn't we just watch episode yeah. one? Like oh, easy boy. That's how that happens. Also, I have to say, my poor dad. He was going to the Sabres game the other day, uh-huh. and his knee gave out while he was just outside, and so he, like, boom, went down oh, on it, that and it's all jacked up. And the, he went to the doctor, and they're like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a piece of bone chilling, swimming mm. in there. So I've, I've been there, my man. He's, I've been looking, there. he's probably looking at a Terminator knee in his future, and that's just fine. That's going to be great, Dad. Yeah, you don't have to walk through metal detectors anymore. You can just w- walk to the side, right to the front of the line. It's going to be pretty awesome. Man. Look at that. Jacob is always finding the light. <laughs> well, I, I trust me. I've done a lot of research on fake knees, and so I, I don't like know I'm what's anticipating yeah, my I, future. I know what's coming. <laughs> um, and then a bummer of a thing that happened was Ivan Reitman died. Oh, I know it, that's a that's a that's a whole a thing, man. Yeah, that's just it's so much nostalgia in our lives. I mean, He's the guy an, made an integral part. The guy was one of the biggest directors of the 1980s, and we are 80s kids in movie-wise a lot of the time. Yes, so definitely. It's it's a bummer, man. Huge producer. Um, his son, he's you know made his son, who's you know obviously, and his son's a very good director, Jason Reitman. Yeah, I mean, it's a such. it's a talented family, but I mean, Ivan Reitman has created so many of American cinema's most successful and best loved feature film comedies and he's mm-hmm. worked with so many of like Hollywood's acting elite um, but yeah he died at 75 he introduced uh, John Belushi to American film goers yes he did that's the thing right there um, he created an entirely new comedic persona for Arnold Schwarzenegger yep and one that he is continuing to this day I mean and other acclaimed dramatic actors like Robert Redford, Deborah Winger, Sigourney Weaver, Emma Thompson, they also really revealed untapped comic talents under his direction. I mean, even when the talent wasn't there, like when he cast Luke Wilson to star in My Super Ex-Girlfriend and was like, I know you could be a lead. He, he, he had faith in people. Even okay, when I've never wanted. seen that. It's not great. Okay, well, that works. So Ivan Reitman, he was born October 27th, 1946 in Czechoslovakia. His mother survived the Auschwitz extermination camp 
Yeah, I, I was about to say, like, that's a rough time to be in Czechoslovakia. But that's amazing. And his father actually fought in the Czech re- resistance. Oh, but nice. they ended up getting out. They emigrated to the U.S. in 1950, um, you know, to escape a Obviously. repressive post-war regime. Um, he was raised in Toronto. He attended McMaster University in Hamilton, where he made his first short films. And then while he was in school, he encountered many of the future core members of his um, SCTV troupe, like mm. the improv troupe, Martin Short, Eugene Levy, um, Rick Moranis. So returning to Toronto after college, he hired Dan Aykroyd to work on a comedy show that he was producing at a local TV station and they just became lifelong friends and collaborators. That is quite the little. Uh, that's a quite the little start right there. That's pretty solid uh, base to start your career on for sure. Yeah. I would like to see the audition battles between Rick Moranis and a young Eugene Levy. Like, what what could those epic battles have been? I love I love all of that. But in the biggest and the best of his films, Reitman really struck an unusual balance between the deployment of carefully and maybe obsessively crafted screenplays and the use of performers like Belushi and Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Moranis who came up really in that freewheeling improvisation climate of uh, Second City in Chicago and SCTV and SNL. So like those were just wholly original people and they really made the films so special. Yeah, you could feel it. Like, there was more of a looseness to his movies at times. Like, it didn't seem... Sometimes movies and comedies can feel a little stifled if people are trying to come in and say the script exactly and you could see the wheels kind of moving. Yes. You never really got that impression with his movies because it feel like people were... Like, the script's there. Try to follow it, but if, oh, you feel, yeah. if you're feeling like going off the rails a little bit, you know, just follow it see where it leads. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to bring that up in a second when we start talking about some of our favorite films and we're just gonna he is a producer a director a writer we're mixing all of that into our films so he might have produced it he might have directed it we're not gonna kind of call each one out we're just gonna talk about the films that have the Ivan Reitman touch exactly like he's got his own general tone and feel to it if you're producing stuff you pretty much are the director except you have to pay for things so (laughs) you you got a lot of fingerprints there you go so the first one of course we would be remiss to not start with is Ghostbusters of course Still the best. I uh, love it. Yeah, it's. I it's love very number good. two. You I don't care. really? I Interesting. do. Interesting. We'll have that discussion off air about liking number two and hey, whether man. or not I should report you to the police or not. Well, maybe I just saw it young, so maybe. it worked for me. But I did like it. So I mean, lightest, quickest description of a film ever. We got a team of scientists: Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. They lose their cushy positions at Columbia in New York City, where they delve into. Um, Paranormal, paranormal, <laughs> like paranormal, it. and they fiddle with possibly many unethical experiments on their students. I, I would say that's fair. A little <laughs> skewed in some regards. Little skewed. They become Ghostbusters and they wage this high tech battle with the supernatural um, for money. It is their job. I mean, yeah. And then, unbeknownst to all, a long dead Gozer worshiper erected a downtown apartment building, which is the cause of all of this paranormal activity. And then they stumble upon a gateway to another dimension, and hilarity ensues. I mean, it's a comedy classic for a reason. And just that's a hard movie to make. It, it was like the most expensive comedy ever made for a long time. I know. I love that show on Netflix that talks about the movies we love. Oh, and then yeah. They, that's you a good get one. all of that info from it. I really do love that. But. 
I love that. So in the middle of the film's initial release, to keep interest going, Ivan Reitman ran a trailer that was basically that commercial in the Ghostbusters movie. Oh, you yeah. Know? And But the 555 number in the movie was replaced with a 1-800 number oh, that people okay. could actually call. So when they did, they got a message um, of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd saying something to the effect of, like, how we're out chasing ghosts right now. They got 1,000 calls per hour 24 hours a day for several weeks. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That just shows you how like into it. Some kid called that. Some kids like, oh no, I'm I called that a thousand times myself. Like and, I loved it. I mean that that's why they put the five 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 in movies, folks, because that's exactly what what'll yes. happen. You put them you put a phone number <laughs> in a movie, you just pray that nobody has that. That's bad great boy. advertising though. So he's also an ad man. And like Jacob said, almost None of the scenes were filmed as scripted. Most had at least one ad lib, and of course, most of them were Bill Murray. Of course, the, I, the general majority of his lines were ad lib. And Bill Murray is an Ivan Reitman favorite, so those two obviously got along. I mean, he he's my favorite too. And now, last thing about it: tell me if you know this, because you know all the things. Did you know that the character of Winston was meant to join the team much earlier? Um, he was actually supposed to be the person who was slimed at the hotel. I, I, yes, and then it was but supposed it to was, be Eddie Murphy. Yeah, so when he declined the role, the script had to be rewritten to have Winston appear about halfway through the film. And you know what? I think of it was for the. Knew that. I feel like it was for the best that uh, Ernie Hudson was chosen because I don't think Eddie Murphy works in this movie. I think it becomes an Eddie Murphy movie if he's in here. Be- exactly, and it's like Bill Murray is the lead funny, mm-hmm. and everyone else works around that. You can't have two top dogs. No, they're so be you're right. To, I don't think it would have worked. I feel like Eddie Murphy would be trying to outdo Bill Murray because you know it would not. It would be it would be too much, and it could have been over the top. Yeah. But it's not, and I'll, it's perfect. I'll tell you what, that new one that came out last year is pretty good too. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay, it, I heard bad things, which I don't care. I'm still going to watch it because the trailer. I was like, oh, that trailer is just ticking all my little yeah. nostalgia. It is legitimately like. Ghostbusters 3 that's what it is like don't okay. let anybody fool you that, that it's not it's a continuing storyline from the original too okay and if you are a fan of the other ones you're gonna recognize a lot of the stuff happening and they talk about so I recommended it I enjoyed it I don't care what the other critics are saying I thought it was a good well if Jacob liked it you know it's so. you know I have the best choice in movies everyone we can get back into the <laughs> sorry I couldn't even get through that we can get back into the don't tell mom the babysitter's dead <laughs> What do you got for us? All right, so you know what was one of his surprisingly favorite movies I heard in an interview? Um, and it was actually a good movie that I have seen a bunch as well, was 1993's Dave. Have oh, you yeah. seen it? I don't I don't know. Maybe? This, maybe a really long time ago. Is he president? He, uh, well, Ivan Reitman's not. No, Kevin no, no. Klein's. Kevin Klein um, is president, but, like, not really. Tell me, tell okay, me what so, it's about. It stars uh, Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, Frank Langella, Kevin Dunn, Ving Rhames, Ben Kingsley. They bring in all the heat. I mean, Frank movie. Langella, one of the best villains out um, there. Yeah, I mean, Masters of the Universe. How could you not love it? <laughs> so uh, the movie's about this guy, Dave Kovic, who is a presidential impersonator in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Okay. Um, so he's like the best around. Everybody knows he's the best one. He looks, sounds, everything he has, exactly like the president. So wouldn't it be lucky that while having an affair right in the middle of it, the current president has a stroke and doesn't die right on the eve of a bunch of bills and legislations they're trying oh, to get passed no. on? So they're like, well, we can't interrupt this now and have the vice president or tell people he's sick. So Frank Langella, who's up to some shenanigans, big shocker, I know. Um, is like, let's go get this impersonator to pretend that he's the president, and we'll just act like it is, and then once we get everything passed, we'll just 
let everybody know that he actually did have a stroke. And this totally won't at all be a huge conspiracy and all over everything. I mean, that's a wild thing to do. So wait, as it Dave turns, was like a president impersonator? Yeah, he's oh, like okay. it was his job. He's like an okay. actor and he's a presidential impersonator. But wouldn't you know it, once he gets into the job, it turns out he's, he's actually so pretty good, good at okay, it. Because yeah. he's an everyman who knows <laughs> what people need and all that kind of stuff. And that's all the presidency requires. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's and, oh, and did I mention the part where Dave uh, starts to get romantically involved with the first lady who thinks that he's the president for a good portion of the movie? She doesn't know it's not her husband. No, because they don't <laughs> actually bother to tell anybody except for like the Secret Service and like three people in the White House. It's a whole thing, man. That's a minor ew. I'm gonna put a minor ew. <laughs> it's it, well, it's 1993. There's a lot of <laughs> oh, okay. there, there's a lot of like ew uh, things going around. Um, but it's Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein's delightful in this movie. He's great. Really underrated leading man. Sigourney Weaver is good. The, di- the direction is great. It's a good little sit down on a Sunday afternoon and just let's watch a movie. Um, so check it out, everyone. When good. they used to make uh, make these kind of good relaxing comedies. I mean, they don't make comedies like that anymore. No. That is true. That is a bygone I, era. I can't ima- remember the last time I saw a movie. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch that when I'm hungover and have a, <laughs> you have a good those. time. Those are crucial. You're like, I got McDonald's. I'm ashamed of myself. I need this movie. That's real I, had, I told everybody I only bought one double cheeseburger. It was two. <laughs> so the next film I'm going to talk about just so wonderful. I'm mad that our the clips weren't working today because yeah. I wanted to play clips and just have Jacob guess the films because they're so iconic. Um, but we are talking about twins. Oh, of course. Oh, twins. Um, Thank you, TBS, for playing it as many times as you did. I do appreciate it. I, that was Fox for me. Fox Afternoons okay, were, the, were absolutely. the big twins watch. So the products of a genetic experiment, fraternal <laughs> twins Julius played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Vincent, played by Danny DeVito, are separated at birth. So Jules Jules and Vincent. Their names are Jules and Vincent. Pulp Uh-oh. Fiction. Oh. oh. That's interesting. That is interesting. Do you think that, uh, what's his name, Quentin is a fan? Oh, yeah. I, I feel like any movie that comes out, that kind of reference, Quentin Tarantino's probably a fan. That's very I wonder, interesting. I wonder. Actually. We have to look that up. We have to see if that's the thing. I haven't anyway, watched Twins in forever. I think I'm going to watch it again. I think so, too. So they're told, after they're separated at birth, that their mother... Well, they tell the mother that the babies are dead. Right. So they separate them. Vincent, Danny DeVito, is an unscrupulous street hustler, and he's eking out a living in Los Angeles. And then Jules, Julius is raised by a scientist... And he grows up really humble and intelligent and strong, but super naive about the larger world. And then when Julius learns that he has a mother and a brother, he heads to L.A. to find his family. I just feel like whoever pitched this in a room, everyone just stood up and clapped. It was like, this is the best sounding thing ever. I was thinking like, wow, just wild, wild premises (laughs) for movies back then. Like You just get anything made. Well, what's crazy is so Arnold really wanted to be in a comedy. But none of the studios wanted to take a risk on that because like, they're like, no, you're like our action star. Like, we're going to just put you yeah, in action that, movies. That, that's not them looking forward. Arnold's fantastic at comedy. I know. So he met with Ivan. They, like, hung out and went to dinner. And Ivan was like, you're really funny. Like, you're a funny guy. And he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, write something that we can do together. So, of course, Ivan wrote literally six different scripts. Uh, yeah, for well. this and then they picked this one and the studios were still like really really nervous about it so Ivan Reitman Danny DeVito Arnold Schwarzenegger 
didn't take a salary for the film. They were like, really? we won't take any money, but we want money on the back end. Oh, that's always a, that's the way to go. That's um, always a smart move. This $16.5 million budget film, no salaries, because it would have been like $50 million yeah. if it had salaries. Schwarzenegger alone. It made $270 million worldwide. Schwarzenegger got 20% of the profits and made $35 million through international sales and like DVD sales and TV screenings. That's he earned more money from Twins than any of the Terminator movies. Gotta love it. That's what you want right there. The studio completely changed where they will never do the back end the same way that they did with the percentages. 20%. But also, Ivan got some and Danny DeVito. So I I can't believe they gave him that much. That is a crazy amount of the back end profits to give somebody. It's totally crazy. The whole thing sounds like it was an insane mess because early on they were under this crazy deadline and Universal was like, we need to know if Arnold is in this. We need to know what's going on. So they made a deal on a napkin at lunch with the agents (laughs) and then they signed it and Danny DeVito actually has it framed in his house those napkin <laughs> deals man they are ironclad you cannot get around those i know i, I have tried and they do not have it it's you know there's just... a, there's a sequel coming out <clears throat> i've heard that for a long time though yeah i think they're actually working on it now it was gonna but be i heard that like eddie murphy was supposed to be the third brother and now it's like tracy morgan and yeah. i'm not into tracy tracy morgan. morgan i'm like yeah i'm out on that one I, it's a little too late but you know, it might be something. I mean, Jason Momoa said that he wanted to remake it with uh, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> See, now there's another great idea. I, I, I like that one. That's tempting. Oh, also, last thing is so funny to me. The original title of the movie is called The Experiment, but Ooh. it was dropped because of Arnold's dramatic background. Uh, wise move. Wise, I think. I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it. But They're like, yeah. ooh, we can't have this big, this big guy. We can't have a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger on the cover of a movie called it's The Experiment. It's an experiment. Yeah, no, it didn't work. So, great I'm going film. going to find my brother. Always. <laughs> he does he looks have like a, Danny DeVito. He does have an I'll be back in that movie. They never really, oh, at that time, it's all he ever did. Yeah. He, nobody ever acknowledges how he gets an Austrian accent living on that island with all those scientists. Fine, doesn't matter. No one cares. Yeah, doesn't matter. Don't don't dig too deep into it. Let's not focus on the genetics part of twins. Let's not. I love it so much. But, okay, what else do you have? All right, so I'm going to go uh, back to 1981 with another Bill Murray classic. I'm going with Stripes, a military... <laughs> And we got, we got Harold again in that one. Harold Ramis oh, is in John there. John Candy. Candy John Larroquette. You got Judge Reinhold and Sean Young are all popping around in this movie. I read that a young Bill Paxton is in there, but I don't remember him being in the remember. background. I don't remember. He's but, in the background yeah, of everything. Yeah, at that time especially. <laughs> He's not getting killed by Arnold. He's showing up in stripes <laughs> with uh, Bill Murray. So... Movie follows us, 80s slacker John Winger loses his apartment, his girlfriend, and his job all in the same day, so not having a good time. Bill Murray mentions that he's 26 in this movie or something. He's looking all oh my God, 38 he's, he's or something. He's supposed to be 26. Yeah, he's like in his mid-20s in this movie. It's, it's a rough look. It is, things are not going well no. for him. So he does what everybody, any smart person would decide to do. <laughs> Let's join the Army. So why not? He talks his buddy into joining with him. They have a, like... They enter one of those, you know, Bad News Bears-esque companies when they're in basic training with a hard-nosed uh, drill sergeant. Um, I just remember them coming out doing their march with their guns, and they're, like, swinging them around, and yeah. it looks more like a cabaret. I mean, Stripes is a great movie. It's a, good, a lot of improv going on, a lot of comedy scenes. It's, weirdly enough, a lot like Full Metal Jacket in that there's two movies here. Halfway through the movie, it stops being basic training, and they decide to go on this other military subplot, which mm-hmm. is just jarring yeah when you think about it 
Um, man, do you remember when they go to Europe in that movie and they're chasing around an RV that's filled with bombs and guns and stuff like Lightly, that? Lightly, yes. It is a really out there ending. But, like, this is young Bill Murray. I think this might be his, like, his first or second starring role, so he's Ivan still establishing Reitman, himself. He also did Meatball. He did do Meatballs, that's right. He was, but wasn't he, like, a side character in that, kind of? I don't really remember. I don't really much. remember I don't either. But little, I feel like people love that movie. I have not seen it. There's, like, a little alien running around in Meatballs, oh. I feel like. For some mm. reason, okay. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking of one of those ridiculous sequels. Um, um, but Stripes, man, yeah. There's the famous scene at the graduation where they're dancing around, swinging their guns, yeah, singing. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stripes, it's a great movie, great '80s classic. It's one of, it's always on, or you can pick it up here at your local library. <gasps> we have all of them out here oh, for you. Oh no! Well. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, but yeah, check it out. If you want a little bit forgotten these days, but you know, don't yeah, it. classic forever. Um, I want to mention the film more recent, but the film Up in the Air. Which oh, he was the, a producer on. The, uh, the George Clooney one, right? Yes, yes. So this is... Um, That's a sad movie. It's a very sad movie. Get depressed just And the whole it. thing is weird. So they have this new co-worker, Anna Kendrick. And what she's doing is she's coming to this company to help, like, They're streamline um, the constant travel that they do because what the corporation is is they're downsizers they Mm -hmm. go to different businesses and fire people for the company i cannot believe that exists and then the main character is george clooney and he thinks that like you have to fire people face to face you can't do it over like zoom that's totally messed up so that's kind of the premise of the film but then um he ends up hooking up with another frequent flyer vera farmiga is that how you say her Mm -hmm. name i always say it wrong always a bad guy everything she's in Every yeah, I, I really see, like her, though. I do, too. Every time I see her, though, my eyes, like, they get smaller because yeah. I'm like, what are you up to? And he develops feelings <clears> for her, and then, you know, life is very messy and complicated, yeah. so it doesn't go well. But this was directed and co-written by his son, Jason. Oh, really? And, okay. yeah, the film garnered six Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture. Man, his son, dude. His, his son's, son's great, but he's got his talented. dad there producing and co-writing, and you know, I think it makes it a little easier. Yeah. Not saying he doesn't have his own skill, but, but I mean, you don't get two movies nominated for best picture if you're not talented. That's, True. Yeah, you know what's up. But he grew up in such a talented household, so. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I like Up in the Air too. I haven't seen it in a while. I like Up in the Air too. I really like the main song of that film. I listened to it for a long time. What You'll have to go back and listen to it. Going up in the air. That's. that's <laughs> I hate you. I have to always put the. Like that Jerry Maguire Springsteen song in there. Oh, for, I hate that song. Oh my what? It, it, it is the <laughs> that's a Academy Award winner. He's like, let me talk it a little. Scratch it. No, this song. Five hundred million dollars <laughs> for that discography. Yeah. What is even happening? How Just, many versions oh no, of Born oh no. in the USA do we need? Don't go on a tangent. Give us another <laughs> all right, film. All right, all right, I won't get on a tangent. Uh, okay. So another one he was just a producer on, one of my favorite movies, another weird one that I saw way too young because my dad was a fan of it. Okay. 1997's Private Parts, the Howard Stern biopic. Not one of a, the most shockingly actually good movies that I did not think would ever be good. It has, folks, this movie has no right to be good. No. But it is very good. Howard Stern is legitimately awesome as himself, but he's also just acting as himself. It's a weird combo, but it's it, weird. everything works. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember 
sitting down to hate watch it and was like, that was a good movie. I've watched it recently and it does still hold up surprisingly okay. so. Um, but yeah, it's just like the story of Howard Stern's life up to this point in 1997 where if you weren't around then, he was everything, man. He was like the big one of the biggest stars in the world. He still I, is at this point. I pretty much hated him though. I did too. I never yeah. listened to Howard Stern. I was a Shred and Reagan guy because I'm oh, from okay. Buffalo okay. and 14 mm-hmm. years old so I didn't really pay attention <laughs> to that. Um, but this is a movie that just covers his entire life and how he became like a no-name disc jockey in nowhere in um, Michigan to the number one disc jockey in the world and the biggest radio station in New York City. And now like has his own station on XM Radio at this point. Forever. And it's actually a lot about his family as well because it spends a lot of time talking about how he met his wife, how mm-hmm. in love with he, he was with his wife. and I like the Robin stuff. Yeah, like the how Robin she Quivers became is in there. his like co-host, pretty awesome. He, he, like he very, spends a lot of time actually on his co-hosts, like Robin Quivers and um, I remember what the like Quiet Guy. I forget oh, yeah, what that I dude's name I is. I don't know these people. Um, but uh, such a good movie about uh, honest movie too, because he's not he doesn't always come across as the best guy in this one. Yeah, but it's funny, it's intelligent, it's got things to say about like free speech and everything, and you know do follow your dreams and everything. Just go check it out, everyone. I mean. Worth not, it. Not a movie you should be letting your kids watch. I will say that much. It's a it's R well, rated. It's literally for called a Private Parts, and he's naked on the cover, so you'd have to figure that one out. Yeah. That's that's the basic parent. There's thing. what you would call large amounts of nudity in that movie. So <laughs> just make sure the kids are out of the room when you're watching it. Uh, okay, another absolute classic. And although now that I think about it, I bet there's a lot of people that don't like this movie, but they're just dumb. Kindergarten Cop. Oh, my gosh. Right? Oh my. Uh, Kindergarten Cop. What else are you going to say? That's another Arnold classic. I mean, just absolutely classic. So we've got, after all these fruitless attempts, we have a veteran LAPD detective, John Kimball, the toughest-looking cop when it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. John Kimball, you idiot. And he has one last chance to put behind bars this really elusive drug kingpin who is trying to find the whereabouts of his son and his ex-wife who ran away with millions of dollars. So Kimball's like, well, I know where he's going. He's going to try to find the family. You can tell this guy's a bad guy, too, because he's got a greasy power tail. Oh, he's so greasy. And so in hopes of picking up these clues, this just massive officer finds himself at an elementary school in Oregon, and he's posing as a substitute kindergarten teacher so that it's normal that he's there. Um, but he has to keep up this ruse without blowing his cover. So he has to, like, control this noisy classroom of these little five-year-old adversaries to I mean, him. And, yeah, he's one of these hard-boiled Schwarzenegger-esque 80s cops. Oh. So it's not – I didn't Schwarzenegger rock this beard that he has at the beginning of the movie, too, by the way. He's rocking some Well, because he's got to look like a, a sweet little kindergarten teacher. He had a few conditions, Schwarzenegger, before he accepted the role. Okay. He wanted – he said he needed Ivan Reitman to direct it. Okay, it's smart. Um, he wanted the physical fitness theme with the kids, okay. which obviously works for him. Um, and him and Reitman, they both wanted the whole kind of broken homes and like child abuse, family life, like written in to like add a little seriousness to the comedy. Which I think they were right on because this movie does have some moments where it gets pretty pretty serious. It's just so good. And everything I've seen, it's like, oh, my God, the kids were obsessed with him and they would just climb him like a jungle gym anytime that they weren't filming. Uh, if, if I saw 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'd try okay. to climb him, too. I'd be like, let me get up there, man. You if know, what's I- crazy is that Bill Murray and Patrick Swayze were originally offered the role of John Kimball. Really? Yeah. Ooh. 
I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, mm. I don't it's think so that, it's hard. Those are it's, different movies, man. Especially the Patrick Swayze one. What even is that? Is that a comedy or an action movie? I don't really know. It's very weird. Yeah, I don't like that with Swayze. Bill I don't, Murray I don't like it either. I am sad that Elijah would audition to be one of the little kid actors, but he said that it was the worst audition he ever had in his whole life. So <laughs> well, he didn't get it. <laughs> that's okay, Elijah. You're, you're going to be in North soon and, you know. Things are gonna you, be you're going to be okay, but Kindergarten Cop is still a classic. Like, just lovely. Remember it's the kid, not, the little kid's month. eating. He's got like all the lunch boxes open, and Arnold like picks him up by his lapels, and he's like, "Are these your lunches?" And the kid's like, "No." And he's like, "Stop eating them!" <laughs> and then just drops him. Oh, who, I, I who, love it. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> In all of the answers, those kids, none of that was scripted. The kids were just answering. I mean, that's how you got to do it. Like, just have yeah. fun with the kids. That movie's great for the Arnold soundboard. It like, is. Anytime you wanted to call people up and annoy them with Schwarzenegger quotes, that was a great one to pull yeah, from. It's so good. All right, do one more because we're out of time. Uh, real quick, I'll just mention uh, 1997. If you're looking for another holiday-themed movie that nobody saw but should be better, it's uh, Father's Day starring Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. I heard that was a nightmare of a movie. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. <laughs> I mean, one of the highlights, <laughs> one of the best running gags in this movie, and it still makes me laugh, is Billy Crystal runs around this movie headbutting people. And I'm talking like flat out, like, bam, knocking, knocking people out with a headbutt. And they do it like more than once. So it's not like a passing thing. I feel like, don't they try to make Robin Williams like this oh. soft, timid kind of dude? Because that never works. They Well, kind of. He's like a nervous, but he's still got his Robin Williams energy. It's like they okay. were like threw a bunch of cocaine at his head. And, oh, then, they, and then they're like, okay, now <laughs> relax a little bit and try to act through that. It's basically what his performance is. Oh, God. The, the plot of this movie, just real quick, Julia Louise-Dreyfus plays an ex-girlfriend of oh. both of theirs. Go figure on that one. She calls him up because her son has run away, and she tells him that the, the kid, he might be one of yours. So even though I've never told you about him, you need to oh, come wow. and help me find this son of Kind of rude, but okay. Uh, spoiler alert for a bad movie. Uh, it's neither of their sons, actually. So <gasps> Super rude. It's, uh, it's the kid of the guy she is currently married to who... <laughs> What? She didn't buy, yeah. That, that, Why didn't that guy go look? Whatever. Just yeah, keep it, going. This great, sounds great very point. stupid. <laughs> so they, it's Robin Williams and Billy Crystal on a road comedy trying to find their kid who's on the run from drug dealers. Oh, no. Always oh, these drug dealers. Mm -hmm. There's Mel Gibson cameo in here. Uh, Sugar Ray is, like, performing and has a role in here. Oh, yeah. my goodness. The, the Frosted Tips. And the Jenko jeans are in <laughs> full effect in this one. Oh, man. It sounds like my junior prom date. It's there, there, terrible. There's people walking around with thermals under T-shirts. It is a whole late wow. 90s, early aughts thing, man. I don't hate that look. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Father's Day, you want to go jump into a time capsule and think of the when things were worse cinema-wise. Yeah. Go check it out. You probably don't, but just in case. I'll just say you should check out the film I Love You, Man. Um, I weirdly enjoy that film Road Trip, even though I shouldn't in any world. The movie's funny. I'm that's with not you. a movie I should like, but I do. But I have to mention the film Heavy Metal oh from my 1981. God. This, I'm just going to say, it's sexist, mm -hmm. it's juvenile, mm -hmm. it's dated. Oh, yeah. Looks like crap. But Heavy Metal makes up for its flaws, which I think there's some eye-popping animation. It's wild. It's classic. It's good. It's a smartly used soundtrack. It's a great um, soundtrack. I like the soundtrack for that movie a lot. This is an adult animated science fiction anthology film. And I just wanted to give a one-sentence description because I love it so much. 
but it's about an astronaut who brings home a glowing green orb for his daughter. However, the green orb wipes him out and corners the girl for its purposes, claiming to embody ultimate evil. The malevolent sphere, known as the Lochnar, terrorizes the little girl by showing a series of bizarre and fantastic stories it has influenced. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what it'll do, man. That's what those green orbs do from space. You gotta stay away from those. I like they just made it, and then the home video was actually removed from circulation for several years because of problems with music licensing. Uh, Because they just didn't secure the rights to like any of the music. I love that. So we're gonna put it in the movie. Let them let them argue it. They're like it's eighty one. We don't know these things yet. You know what? They ended up being right because they got the rights, didn't they? That movie's all over the place at this point. Yeah. So is it good? Is it terrible? I don't know. You you have to decide that for yourself. But also leave the kids away. (laughs) This is not that kind of cartoon. If you thought Private Parts was a movie to keep your kids (laughs) away from, uh, Heavy Metal (laughs) is a big time one to keep them away from. Absolutely. All right. Sad sad times, but we are out of time. Why don't you plug us up? So if you're looking to pick up Heavy Metal or possibly (laughs) some of the comics that it was based on, you know where we might have them? Your local library. We got 37 branches all across Erie County, so stop on by, say, hey, we're looking for some Ivan Reitman, and they'll lead you on the right direction. Don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalol.com lib.org see what programs we got coming up and don't forget to follow us on twitter at all booked up pod and let us know what was your favorite ivan reitman movie please do do you know that he and jason reitman are the only two father-son producing teams to only one of two let me explain that better producing teams to be nominated um for a best picture oscar oh Okay, cool. Yeah. That's a good distinction. That's a very good distinction. That's something for Jason to hold uh, on to in this own, sad time. Is it them Douglases? Is that the other ones? I don't know. Uh, we'll look I that up. Look that far. Um, Ivan Reitman has produced two films that have been selected for the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Baywatch, that of course. National Lampoon's Animal House, which we didn't talk about because I just don't like don't it. Need, yeah, we don't need to. And then Ghostbusters. Yeah. Classics. And then this last one, this is going to like bum you out because this sounds like the greatest thing that never was. In the early 1980s, Tom Mankiewicz wrote a script for a film entitled The Batman mm. with Reitman attached to direct as Bill Murray as Batman. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm listening. Um, William Holden as Commissioner Gordon. Oh. And David Bowie as the Joker. Ooh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm listening to this idea. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. We're, we're, we're doing variants. We could still make that movie. Regrets, I have a few here. But okay, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.